Max drifted on a gray border between the light of seeking justice and the darkness of doing whatever it took to get revenge. He wanted the bastards to pay for killing 37 innocent people in the Georgetown bombing. He wanted payback for Charlotte's death. Most of all, he wanted to smoke-check the sons of bitches who hurt his brother. Max and Tom raced their silent hawk motorbikes south along uneven, worn roads under the cold sliver of a moon hanging over south-central Turkey. They were to sneak across the border into Syria and pick up a USB flash drive containing a list of leaders behind the terrorist attack that killed Charlotte and so many others. A couple weeks after the terrorist attack, the young wife of an ISIL terrorist became disillusioned with her husband and ISIL's lies, so she defected. She told CIA that a terrorist cell called Ringverina, German for Ring Club, was responsible for the Georgetown bombing. To check the wife's report, CIA reached out to a reliable asset working undercover as an ISIL contractor, who confirmed that Ringverina was behind the attack. The asset also claimed to have acquired a USB flash drive containing the names of Ringverina's leaders. Max was trying not to take this mission personal, but it was. Only a little further, and the brothers would switch their screeching engines to stealth mode. Max took the lead, guided by the red line on the map of the Android Tactical Assault Kit, ATAC device mounted in front of him. CIA's tech wizards had pre-programmed ATAC's GPS navigation with a route that would dissect the gaps of Turkish and Syrian border patrols. Although the Silent Hawks now ran on gasoline, they could run on jet fuel or propane if needed. The two-wheel drive responded quickly to Max's commands and required less effort than a standard motorbike to keep himself upright. He pinned the throttle, but a curve made him let up on the speed and clamp down on the brakes to avoid doing a headplant. His braking regenerated power for the bike, increasing its efficiency for long-range ops such as this. The ride had taken longer than expected, and Max was going to have to make up for it in order to meet with the agent on time. He released the brakes and cranked the throttle. He sped out of the curve and flew along a dirt road that split a row of unlit farmhouses and fields of winter wheat swaying in the wind. His ATAC showed the air temperature at 41 degrees, but the wind whipped the temperature down even lower. Like many of his fellow frogmen, Max hated the cold. Even so, he didn't have to like it. He just had to endure it. He glanced over his shoulder to make sure his brother was still with him. Tom was also former military special ops, an army ranger before he left to attend college full-time and operate for the agency part-time. Tom rode hot on Max's tail. Up ahead, the road divided, and Max soared into the left fork at breakneck speed. His bike fishtailed on the crumbling edges of the road. He eased up on the throttle, leaned, and turned until he regained control and returned to the center of the street. He had 450 cubic centimeters of engine, but the challenge was to keep it between the ditches. Any monkey could pin it and go bronco buster, but a true operator had to know when to ease off the throttle and squeeze the brake. Soon, there were no more houses in sight, lessening the chances of bumping into farmers, families, and their friends. Max exhaled a sigh of relief, his breath warming the inside of his motorcycle helmet, 
custom made with ballistic fiber to protect against small arms fire and shrapnel. The time clock on Max's ATAC showed that he and his brother were back on schedule, 75 minutes away from their rendezvous in Syria. The wind continued to nip at him, but his circulation and metabolism were in peak physical condition, helping to warm him. His dad, who had trained him in the art of special ops from an early age, had told him more than once, There's no bad weather, only bad clothing. <laughs>